Worship with us this morning. 
I came across a John Piper quote that said, at any given time, God is doing 10,000 things in our life, and we are typically only aware of three of them. God is constantly initiating, creating, inspiring, knitting together, orchestrating the details of our life, the very smallest details of our life. And it's easy for us to get bogged down by those details, but isn't it so freeing to know that someone's actually in charge of them and in charge of them in a loving and organizing way? And so I think for each one of us that that is the invitation that we have before us this morning. See, God is always inviting us into every moment to be present. And so as he's doing 10,000 things in your life right now, you have the opportunity to respond to him. So this morning, I would invite you to respond with your heart. Maybe you planned on giving God this much this morning, just like a little doorway into your heart. Maybe you're feeling a little tense and closed off and nervous and anxious. The invitation is to open that door a little bit wider to him. Allow his love to transform you. Because, see, at First Pres, we're about real relationships and real transformation. We believe that when God gets a hold of us in relationship, that our lives begin to change. So if you're new, we're so glad you're here this morning. The best way that you can let us know who you are and introduce yourself is by filling out a Connect card. You can use your camera app to scan the QR code and fill it out online, or you can grab a paper Connect card out front. We would love to just introduce ourselves to you um, and get your information, and that would be awesome. And then um, I also just want to let you know about a couple of cool things that are going on. Next Sunday is Educator Sunday. Go ahead, raise your hand right now if you are out of school, you're a teacher or administrator or something. Can I just see your hand? I just want to, hey, hey, thank you guys. Thank you for what you did this week and what you're doing this upcoming week. And we would love for you to come back next Sunday because we want to honor and pray for you and thank you here in this room. So um, both at the 9 and the 1030 service that's happening next week. And also next week we are having a congregational meeting at 1010 so that we can have both people from the 9 a.m. service and the 1030 service right here in the room. We're going to go over some uh, church business. And so if you could come at 1010 next week for the congregational meeting too, that'd be awesome. Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much um, for each person who's sitting in this room, Jesus. Um, whisper to their heart, God, that you're doing 10,000 things in their life right now, and you're doing it with love and with purpose. Help them to be responsive to that with gratitude, with curiosity, even with skepticism, Lord. I just pray that um, this morning we would come to you with whatever we have and that, Lord, you would change us and not leave us where we are. God, we have people on our hearts and minds that we want to lift up to you. We pray for the family of Lenny Vidal, who passed away. God, thank you for this um, faithful member of First Pres, Lord, and he served uh, you, Jesus, with his heart in this church, and we are just uh, filled with gratitude for his life, but we just pray for his family as they grieve. Lord, we are also uh, filled with gratitude um, over the one-year anniversary of Lynn Ritchie's stroke, and she's here in this room, and she's thriving, and she's amazing, and we love her, God, and we just thank you for um, the mighty healing and work you've done in her life and that you're going to continue to do. And God, we also thank you for the birth of Luke Burns, son to Dylan and Shannon Burns this week. We thank you, God, um, for these new parents. Jesus, we just pray for these sweet early moments for their family, God, and just thank you for the gift of new life. Lord, we give you our hearts and we give you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. I am so honored to introduce to you a dear friend of mine who has been serving so actively in the life of this church, Ashley Waters, if you'll come forward and join me. Ashley's going to tell you about our event for women called Real, and we're excited about you being a part of that too. <laughs> you go ahead, Ashley. Thank you, Kathy. Um, and McLean, I opened, opened it up perfect for me today. This is an invitation to, sorry, specifically the women in the room. <laughs> um, but men, we love you too here today. But this is for the women in the room that, who feels like they are just going in 10,000 different directions this week and just school, work, everything is just weighing you down. Who here needs, I'm gonna quote it, needs quiet, needs to get out the noise and distractions in your life? Because I know I sure do. And that's a quote from Rebecca Lyons, which is our amazing speaker that is coming to speak at the Women's Real Retreat in October. I invite you all to come join me for this. This is gonna be such an amazing, enriching um, night for us to come together as a congregation, but also invite friends that maybe they're not even believers. Invite them to come. I know I'm gonna put together a table of friends um, from this church, friends from outside the church, friends that I just, I don't know if they want to come, but I'm going to invite them. I'm going to invite everybody to this because I know how amazing this event always is for me and how it always just makes me feel the calmness. It just opens up my heart to Jesus and it just makes, I feel like going into the holidays too. Man, we need this. So I just invite everyone to come with me. This is going to be over 200 women that night, and I know Rebecca Lyons and all the other speakers there are just going to make our lives so, so fulfilling. So please join me. Thank you so much, Ashley. <laughs> yep, registration is open, so we're ready for you. Have you ever noticed that God's generosity toward you is always so intentional and personal? It's because he has you on his mind. And when we give back to God, we get to act just like him. That's why our First Pres outreach towards those who are hungry and homeless is done with so much personal warmth, the warmth and love of Jesus, the intention of Jesus. So come on a Saturday morning with Matthew 25 and meet people like Rocco and Lisa and Samantha and many other men and women who are homeless. Come and join a group like this. These are folks from First Perez that serve in one of our two locations. Come and be a part of a group like this and serve and enjoy the morning together. Come and make the love of Jesus real to those who may not know him at all or encourage those who do. Come and bring your kids. Six years old and older is just right. We really need you. So would you allow God to nudge your heart this morning to not only give back to him in one of the six ways that we are featuring here, one of the new platforms is with Venmo or the generosity box in the back of the room. But also, would you allow God to nudge your heart to give the gift of your time on a Saturday morning by loving his beloved cherished sons and daughters who happen to be homeless. 
If you're on a team of people that have been serving on Saturday mornings, would you stand? Dana, I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> Laura and Keep standing if you would. There's a, there's a reason. I want you to see who they are because I want you to be able to ask them after worship, what is it like to serve on a Saturday morning? What does it involve? How can I sign up? And you're certainly welcome to ask me as well. We all can't wait to bring you there and bring your whole family there. God bless you. And God bless you three. You are waiting. 
night that's full of energy because I haven't seen you. Because Kathy and I went on vacation to Greece. Huh? Be jealous. Be very jealous. So we went to Greece on vacation. Now, the reason it happened is because we were invited by Brooks and Michelle to come to Greece to do their wedding. Now, Brooks and Michelle happened to have been in the picture that we just saw of folks working at Matthew 25. You had Lauren Caroline Withrow on the left. You had Peggy Cantor on the right. In the middle were Brooks and Michelle, Brooks Cunningham, and now Michelle Barrows Cunningham. They're married. They're suffering for Jesus somewhere in Monaco right now, I think. <laughs> so I'm, in, I'm just watching the clock. The clock is not up on the conference monitor. Adam, you got to do something about that or I'll go too long. So here we go. I, Kathy and I, were, we were the, they, there were 17 of us in Greece doing this. They, it was on the island of Santorini. You be, should be very jealous. Okay, it's really nice. Ooh. So Brooks and Michelle paid for Kathy and me to fly over there and put us up in Santorini. Now, here's what we did. We took some of our money and put it with their money and made the airplane seats bigger. You know? <laughs> That's what we did. Because it's a long way over there. And it's a long way back. And you think you have the Sunday scaries about work tomorrow? Because we are talking about work. Sooner or later, I'll get to it. Oh, add a vacation on top of it. Oh. Talk about the Sunday scaries. Oh, so we, we have them. But I'm doing okay. I'm making my way back into it. But anyway, Kathy and I, we go on vacation. We, we, we went four days in Athens and then three days in Santorini. So one other thing, just personal privilege. You know that I read the New Testament. The, the, the part of the Bible we call the New Testament it was written originally in the Greek language of the first century. And you've heard of Greece and you've heard of the Greek language. So when I, I've been to Italy and I've been to France, and the Italians and the French, I went literally with Greek, I mean with French and Italian grammars, those two different weeks, in my pockets trying to learn the language. They were rude to me, no, English. The Greeks loved it. They loved it that I wanted to learn their language. They, I showed them the New Testament, and they'd look at it, and they'd groan, and they'd say, oh, they made us learn that in school. I I hated it. <laughs> so all the way I pronounced the vowels from the New Testament period is over. So the languages are very different. And all I could say is Kalimera, which means good morning. <laughs> but I tried. I think I learned how to order a cup of coffee. And I learned how to say toilet. <laughs> we had a great time. And that's somewhat self-serving for me to have done what I just did. But, and if you're online, uh, you can't participate in all this. But if you're online, do this. Just send notes. If you've been to Greece, what'd you like the most about it? Personally, I think it was a fantastic experience. Just one word about food. Oh, is a Greek salad when it's done right. Oh, is it good. Oh, and I have a good friend, Alex. She's not here this morning. She's Greek, and she's going to show me and teach me how to make a real Greek salad, and I am going to eat them. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, anyhow. While we're on vacation, of course, Kathy and I are the parents of a magnificent three-year-old, six-and-a-half-pound, beautiful, sweetest dog in the whole world, Shih Tzu. Her name is Tally. Tally. Oh, my Tally. And so here's what we do. We have a place where we board her, right? And it's the top of the heap of the things that you can buy in the boarding place, right? I mean the top of the heap. Like, I have the app on my phone, and I just go like this a couple of times, and I can see my beautiful little puppy. <laughs> from Santorini. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. You know I'm not kidding. Yeah. 
over-the-top helicopter parents. Okay, anyway, this is, all of that's to say this. We flew home so that we were arriving this past Tuesday at 8 or something at night, which meant the dog, we couldn't pick the dog up. So son Reed agreed to go and get her for us. And he's at the doggy place, and we're coming back from the airport, and he calls me, and he says, yeah, I have her. She's good. And then he says, Dad, you know that you paid $12 a day to have Tally tucked in at night. <laughs> <laughs> and he did that to me. <laughs> and yes, if you got a problem with it. <laughs> it cost us $775 to board that dog for eight days. <laughs> yeah, hey. No. So, and then I, I didn't say to my son, Reed, but I wanted to say to him, and this is turning the corner back around to what it is about work that we need to understand. Read, I care for her. I'm taking care of her. And I wanted to say this to him, but I didn't. I'm being a little aggressive. I took good care of you too, pal. <laughs> and the fact of the matter is, we did. And we do. And guess what? Reed's in-laws took good care of his wife. And Jamie's in-laws took good care of Kristen. And guess what else? They're taking real good care of their children. You know what they are in their homes? You know what you are in your home? You're not going to like this word. I'm going to use it. I'm going to teach you how to use it about yourself. You're pastors of your home. How about that? You are. Maybe the word pastor puts you away a little bit. You think it's, you got to be like me? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not about preaching. It's, not, it's about loving the people on behalf of Jesus in your home. And this morning, we're going to explore what that means and where we work. Ooh, this is really good that we get this. It's really good that we get this. We have 60 million ways that we work, and the question that we want to ask ourselves is, how do I live my life of faith where I make my living? Okay, that's the question we want to prompt a little bit. How do I live my life of faith where I make my living? And we can do that. And what, what I want you to walk away from this morning is turning off the device, walking away from here. I want you to walk away with the challenge. The understanding of your work is the place where you pastor people. And that's what your job is. Your job, my job, is not to make a living. My job and your job is to make a life worth living for the people I work with. And so what we're going to do now is just build a little foundation for this, that thinking about the way theologically speaking, when I say theological, what I mean, how is God, I ask the question, doesn't God have something to say about how we work? And the answer has got to be yes. We spend the majority of our waking lives working. And so it's got to be important to God. So unbelievable job McLean did last week. She touched on the text I'm about to show. She talked about it. And I'm going to talk about it again because it's the foundation. Okay, so this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And when I say foundation, let me just also give a shameless plug for what's going on in the project, right? The building of the new church. So we're building a foundation soon over here. And you want to know when, fits. And here's the deal. 
the, 30, the first 30 days of the city of Tampa having our plans, they're going through that process right now on the 16th, which is Tuesday. They will give us any comments they have in probably another 30 days, and then we start building a foundation right over here with concrete and all, whatever you rebar, whatever you do. We're building a foundation to build a building so we can do what we're doing, but we're also going to build a foundation now using this Genesis text for our lives of work. So look carefully at the text. The Lord God took the man and put him where in the garden. Now you remember we have human beings that have been made by God and they're set up and they're in a garden and they're just enjoying each other and they're enjoying God and they're enjoying the garden. But God commissions or even ordains our lives. Allow that word to work on you, pastors. You've been ordained. We're really good in the church of talking about ordaining me or the elders. But guess what? That's We've left 99% of the people out. This is your ordination. This is your commission statement. You and I have been commissioned by God to do two things. In the garden, which is where you live and where you work and where you play. In the garden, but today just job. You're supposed to work the job and care for the job. That is work the garden and care for it. Work. McLean told you this. I'm just reiterating it. Work, Hebrew word, and it means to serve and to work, and it really also means to worship. So work, worship, serve, all of that. In whose garden is it? God's. And then we're all supposed to, also supposed to care for it, like, like I was saying, caring for my dog, like I care for our children, like, we, like our, ch our children are caring for their children, like you care for your children. We house them, we clothe them, we bathe them, we educate them, we make sure that they're healthy. If they get sick, we take them to the doctor. All of that is what's going on and what it means to care for it, protect all of that. God has commissioned or ordained you and me in the place where we are doing whatever it is we do. He's ordained us to serve him by the what we do our work is our service to God. And I'm looking around the room and I just see a million different kinds of jobs. It's really cool. If you just kind of sneak a look, you may not know what a lot of the people in the room do, but you may know. And you think, that person is a pastor where they work. That person is caring for the people they work. So uh, put the, we'll put the slogan up on the wall for you right now. Your job is not to make a living. Your job is to make a life worth living in the garden where you serve, where you work, where you worship. So let it sink in. You may never have heard that before. And I, I, I honestly think we have failed you. When I say we, I mean the, the leaders who do what I do in my job. My job is to tell you that your job is to love the people where you work. You're a pastor, a shepherd, if that word works better for you. Again, it's not about preaching. It's not about sticking religious tracts in people's hands. It's not about putting them in the bathroom so when they're on the throne. It's not about that at all. It's about loving people really well. It's caring for people, serving people where we work. That's, and you know what our, our garden is? It's Tampa. Huh? 
Now, you, you can be committed to doing things in other parts of the world, but the biggest part of our work is right here where we are. We, we live and work in Tampa. And I, I just want you to know something. I love this town. I love being here. I love living here, all of it. I was north of Kennedy long before people called it South Tampa. In Brandon. I was there when they opened Gaither High School with reaching out to teenagers. So I love the whole town, but church, just I want you to know strategically, church these days for most of us is going to be more or less our community, sort of local. We need mega churches, and there are a couple around, and they're awesome, and they can do stuff that other churches can't do. But most of us in church are going to be right around where we work and where we live, right? And if we want to have more churches, we'll just help them start a new one somewhere. Right? Maybe you'll feel called to start a new church. I'll help you in your neighborhood. We'll do it. But meanwhile, church is going to be right where we are. And, and the strategy is for you and me as shepherds, as pastors where we work, to love people really well. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by strategy. How in the world are we going to fill our buildings? Believe me, I'm thinking about how we're going to fill our buildings. And what I mean by that is this, reaching people who don't know this good news that you and I know. If you're a Jesus follower, what you want is for people who aren't Jesus followers to become Jesus followers. And the other thing you want is for the Jesus followers to go deeply. You heard Ashley just talk about how her heart is stirred with this real event and how it helps her to be closer to Jesus. She's a Jesus follower, and doing stuff together helps her to grow more in her faith but man, there's so many people who are in desperate need of knowing they're loved, they're forgiven, they're made over again new. The city is full of them. Your neighborhood is full of them. Your workplace is full of them. And you're their pastor because you're going to love them really well. And just the one suggestion about loving really well that I'm going to mention now is listening really well. You have two ears. Kathy and I say this all the time. One mouth. Do the math. And you love people really well by listening, and here's how we can listen well. We ask really good questions, and then we listen. Ask really good questions and listen and mean it with integrity. So strategy. You ready? We, around here, we try to get people to do stuff like Matthew 25, and it's awesome because your life changes when you're really engaged in relationships with people. And we do that. We, try, we want people to come and yay God and sing and have fun on Sunday mornings and celebrate. We call that worship. We want people meeting together in what we call life groups. And we have, planned, we have a bunch of people in life groups, and we have a plan to get more people in more life groups. But the strategy to reach our neighborhood has to include the workplace. Just do, if there are 350 different kind of workplaces represented by everyone who thinks of first president of their church. I'm just doing some quick math here. So let's say there's 350. How many thousand people are we impacting? If we're pastors in the workplace asking good questions and loving people well. Man, the workplace then becomes an on-ramp into a life of faith. And I don't want anything from anybody. I want something for them. I want them to know that real relationships result in real transformation and in the workplace with real relationships with pastors who are on purpose, loving people where they work. They're not working for a living. They're working to make a life worth living in the garden where they serve people. 
And the next thing you know, bam, people feel loved. And sooner or later, in a natural way, they're going to ask you, what is it with you? And you're going to say, man, my, my marriage is better. The way I feel about myself is different. The way I treat my children is different. And you're going to say, it's because of my relationship with God. And in this church where I am, things are happening there that are helping me be a different person. I like me a lot better. Naturally, not preaching at people, not sneaking up on them, nothing, just naturally. People want to know what's working, and they need value, and they need values. How you feeling, pastors? <laughs> Another text that helps us understand that when we're working, Jesus is our boss. If Jesus is your boss, what I'm saying really starts to be doable. Now, you have a boss. Maybe you are the boss. You still have a boss. And if you treat your job as if Jesus is your boss, a couple of things are going to happen. One is people are going to notice. Two, you're going to get a raise. <laughs> Look at this text. This is the Apostle Paul. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever we do in the workplace, in the workplace, when we treat people right, the next thing you know, they feel cared for and they want a relationship with you. It could be your boss you treat right. It could be a peer. It could be somebody who works, so to speak, underneath you in the org chart. Whatever, you could, be a, you could be a solo person. It could be the customers you call on. There's 90 million ways that you work. And if those people you begin to see as your mission, and if I've, I've said pastor, I've said shepherd, I'm going to say one more word. I'm asking you to swallow a lot. Your ministry, you're serving them. The word ministry just means to serve. In Greek, it's diakonia. You remember, I love Greek. So diakonia, deacon, it means to serve, it means to give, it means to love, it means in Hebrew to worship. So when we love people well by asking good questions and listening in our workplace, the next thing you know, the footprint of the kingdom of God begins to enlarge. And that's got to be a part of our strategy as a family of faith. I want every church on the planet to have that strategy, and this is the one I'm in charge of helping lead. Every church needs to be telling people in their churches to go be pastors in the workplace. And we simply haven't done a good job of that, we meaning the clergy. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks. Quickly, I want to tell you about three people. First one is Kathy Hill. She's not here, I don't think, and she, I don't have permission to do... She's on the way back from Auburn where she sent her child off her baby. They're now empty nesters, Kathy and Tyler. But here's what Kathy Hill is. Kathy Hill worships with the First Presbyterian Church family. But she's a pastor at Mitchell Elementary School. Because you know what she does? And she stood on this stage and other stages in our church to talk about it. She prays for her kids, not wandering around out loud. But she prays for all of her kids every day. You know, you can do that for people in the workplace. You could pray for people. You might even pray with them. 
but you can pray for them. You might ask somebody, is there anything I can pray for about it? They might start coming to you if they're having a problem. You know what else you can do? You can give people in the workplace books. I'll recommend one, Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Just give it to people. They can read it. It's going to rock their world. if they f God will use that book. Another thing you can do in the workplace, in addition, like Kathy, of praying, you can write notes to people. Just if something's going on in their life, it, it can be a text message, it can be a note, but just communicating with folks, letting them know that you're thinking about them like a pastor. Don't use that word with them, though. <laughs> just do it. So that Kathy Hill. She worships with us here. She's a part of a life group it, 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 that she and the other couples have been doing for a long time, but she pastors as a teacher. A friend of mine who's, you don't need to know who it was, his name is John. I went to see John once. Uh, he, he and his family were a part of the mission and ministry of Young Life when I was doing Young Life. And I went to see John, and John sold life insurance. And I really had no idea what that meant. So I sat down in his office, and I was looking around. I'm very curious. I ask a lot of questions, and I'm asking questions. I go, what really do you do? You know what his answer was? I protect people. And I follow up questions. What he meant was life insurance helps protect people from an unforeseen tragedy or accident. Now, I didn't have any at the time. <laughs> I did not become one of his customers, but I realized that my wife was dependent on my income, as, of course, I am on hers. And so I went out and bought life insurance for her to help me if she gets hit by a beer truck and, uh, and insurance for, for her for me if I get hit by a beer truck. And she doesn't like the beer truck metaphor, but I think it's pretty good. Because <laughs> they're big and heavy, and if they hit you, you're done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my friend John worships at another church in our neighborhood here. But he's a pastor in his insurance office. Third person, name's Josh. Josh came to see Kathy and me to go and fix our air conditioning. And he does his job. It's nine million degrees up in the attic, and he does his job, no complaining. I gave him a can of bubbly water. He loved that. So one thing leads to another. I think maybe he saw a picture of Africa or something that's on the wall. One thing leads to another. We're Jesus followers. We do the couple of things, and he says he, he's almost in tears. That He was just so, he was so excited to hear that we were people who were followers of Jesus, and he said, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this has just made my day. But first, he didn't understand he did an exquisite job in the blazing heat to repair my machine and made sure I knew all the details of it. Now, he worships somewhere in some church in Tampa. I don't know where. But he pastors in people's hot attics because he's not making a living. He's making a home that's comfortable to live in, and he knows it. Same thing. You pick the profession. The question I'm going to ask you as we... Think about what it means to be a person who is a pastor, a shepherd, a minister in the workplace is, what can I do this week, just one thing, what can I do one thing this week to live out my faith where I work? I want you right now, in your mind, in your sense of yourself, what one thing, just one thing, I've mentioned several examples or illustrations or possibilities, notes, books, prayer. Jesus is your boss.
Jesus is in charge. He made it all. You're not working for a living. We're working to make a life worth living for the people we serve in the garden, in the workplace. I know you want it. I know you want to expand the footprint of the kingdom of God. That's fancy theological language. You know what that means? That means where I work, I'm going to love people really well. And sooner or later, I promise you, God will make it happen that somehow conversation can also get connected to your serving attitude. And conversation can lead to a real relationship. And God might use you to help someone else's life become transformed. I promise you, your life will transform. And here we are, about to have a meal with the boss. I don't know how else to introduce this. He's here. Your boss is in the room in a special way this morning. And that's what we say about these elements, that we believe that here Jesus is present. Now, these are gluten-free wafers. This is regular bread brought, bought from the bakery. This is grape juice. But what we're saying is that we believe that Jesus is present. You know, what's interesting is this is, for us, this represents his death. But the cross is empty, his resurrection. The, the execution of Jesus was the most heinous act of evil ever perpetrated by human <coughs> beings. You pick any evil out there, current or past, or one you fear that's coming. This is the worst ever. But you know what? It backfired on the evil one. Jesus is alive. And for you and me, he's alive in the workplace. You can forget about the Sunday scaries. I don't want you being scared on Sunday anymore. I want you racing into your job, working for your boss, loving people really well. And you're empowered by the presence of Jesus here in these elements. So I'm going to invite Kathy and the other elders who are going to help us serve. There are two coming to help. If you guys want to come up here and stand with Kathy and me. Let me just remind you of, let me just remind you. You're going to hear the words, the body of Jesus. I forgot I wrote it down. <laughs> the, the body of Jesus the real presence of his saving love. You've been rescued. You're going to hear the blood of Jesus, the never-ending certainty of new life. The body of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Pastors, put on your running shoes and dash into tomorrow and love people really well. You have been loved and you're only just giving back what you have already received. A thousand stories of what they think your life and I
I will pray. We thank you, gracious God, that you have ordained us. You've placed us in the world. We are your partners in creating new life in that we love people well. We serve them. And when we do so, we're worshiping you. We care for them. And when we do so, we're, we're worshiping you. You're the boss. We get to do your work in the world, in the workplace. Make us pastors. Make us shepherds. Make us ministers loving people really well. And we then enlarge the footprint of your love for this world. We leave here excited to be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. We're out of here, my friends. Go out there and get them. Go.